0: welcome back everybody it's taco tuesday i'm alex padilla I'm alex well welcome back everybody and a little bit of a different taco tuesday today because i alex padilla i'm being joined by anthony today anthony how's it going tonight man I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I'm doing a little bit better than uh, it went for the Lakers
1: down the stretch on, on what felt like wide open or very makeable shots.
0: Yeah, tonight the Lakers lose 104-102 to the Brooklyn Nets. The Lakers fall to 49-14 and on the season. And just like Anthony said, Anthony Davis had a wide open three to win the game, uh, missed it. And right before that, LeBron James somehow, someway, missed the layup with his left hand that rolled in and out. Uh, just, just a weird night for the Lakers. But um, I don't know if you think this just not unexpected at all. Kind of could see this coming.
1: Yeah, I thought it was. Funny. It's funny how expectations change over the course of even one game. Where going in, you're like, all right, they just beat the Bucks and the Clippers in back to back games. Uh, they're probably pretty tired, both physically and, and emotionally and psychologically. This could be one of those letdown games. And then they come out and they start playing really well. And they're like, "Oh, sweet! I guess not. This is awesome. It's going to be one of those uh, nice, easy wins." And then, you know, Brooklyn cl- cl- climbs back into it. And at that point, you're saying, "Well, you may as well get a win while you're here." And and it winds up being disappointing, even it, disappointing, even though going in you thought to yourself, "This is probably not going to go well."
0: Yeah, it is funny that you said that too because like every Bradley came out hot again and you're like, whoa, what are we seeing here? He started three of three, then he finished four of 11 on the night. So like it was a weird kind of thing where the Lakers did come out looking good, but it wasn't necessarily like Davis and James looking good. I feel like Anthony Davis didn't pick it up until the second, third quarter. Uh, But by that time, it looked like Brooklyn was just ready to go. You know, uh, they just kind of stepped up when the Lakers were kind of cruising this game. the, The Nets looked like they were actually trying their bench looked like they were playing in an NBA Finals game. They were talking so much and celebrating every call and getting mad at every call that went against them. It was just one of those days where, like, the Nets were playing an NBA Finals game and the Lakers were playing a Tuesday game against the Nets.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's what it felt a lot like. And, you know, there's just an amount of joy you get to play with when Kyrie isn't around. You know, just (laughs) see. And Kevin Durant on the bench. I think that was surprising. Well, he has some business deals to attend to while he was out here in L.A. And then, you know, I, I just think we kind of saw this with the Clippers last year and and at the beginning of this season where role players who play an outsized role on a team that overachieves, like there is no more fun Situation to be playing basketball in the NBA in, and I think now with Kyrie out uh, for for the remainder of the season, they know they're probably going to be heading into the playoffs. You had that weird situation go down with Kenny Atkinson, and I, I don't know how uh, everybody felt about that. It was a, just a weird situation all around, but they just felt like they, they looked like they were playing light and. We saw this uh, a year ago when D'Angelo Russell was still there, where they all they they overachieved, I would probably say, and it was just it looked a lot more fun to play basketball for those guys that season, and they kind of returned to that, you know, since Kyrie has officially been ruled out, and uh, and especially tonight on a game where you know they're they're playing a team that's going to. You know, make a Western Conference Finals, maybe a, a, an NBA Finals, and they want to take it to them with with the guys that they felt like could get there, get them there, regardless, even without the star power that was sitting on the sideline or back in Brooklyn.
0: Yeah, and on top of that, it's like they're kind of in this weird position where, yeah, they're under 500, but yet they're really comfortably in the playoffs in the Eastern Conference. God and bless the so, East. <laughs> yeah, they, they're, they're four games below 500, but yet they're six games in like above the ninth place team. So they're very comfortably in the playoffs right now. And that's got to be such a sweet spot to be playing in, like you said. Not only are you – it sounded – obviously there was all these reports about players wanting Atkinson out. Whether that's true or not, let's say it is true. Well, he's gone. Kyrie, we all know the drama. He's gone. We're in the playoffs. There's really no pressure on us because no one thinks we're going to do anything anyways. So let's just go out and have a blast. And you're totally right, dude. That's exactly what it
1: looked like. Yeah, I mean, they're probably thinking to themselves, hell, we're probably out of here at the end of the year anyway, so we may as well just play our tails off until that time, have as much fun and do as much winning as we possibly can do, and then whatever comes, this offseason comes. And, and yeah, it, it's, it has to be a pretty fun situation to be playing in. Um,
0: me and Alex, I, the Lakers play on Tuesday all the time, so we are always seems to – I think I've done like one or two podcasts where it's not a recap. Um mm-hmm. And one of the days that it wasn't a recap was uh, February 11th. It's the day after they played the Suns, and we just looked at the schedule, and it was it, it was pretty daunting. You know, it was Denver, Boston, uh, the Pelicans twice, uh, Memphis a couple times, and then obviously the Sixers, Bucks, Clippers, and they still have four really big games coming up next. And when we were, went through the schedule, I didn't think the two losses were coming at Memphis and versus Brooklyn. <laughs> you know you would you would assume that maybe the bucks or clippers or, or maybe even the celtics but i mean that's just it's i don't know the lakers seem to be up to their competition and that's just the way they played these last for the last month i mean they have incredible wins and then two really bad losses although memphis i guess is a playoff team at the moment um but it's just really interesting to see like the the next four games are going to be really tough you got rockets nuggets and jazz twice um, and then it kind of cools off a little bit. So it'll be, I'm, I imagine the Lakers are going to be back to what we saw this last weekend coming up. It's hard
1: to tell. You never know with these things. I mean, I, I really feel like, you know, the reason a letdown happens is because they kind of take care of a bugaboo to a certain extent, right? The perception all year has been the Lakers beat up on bad teams and then struggle against teams at the very top of the league. And, you know, it's funny. I, I, it, it's going to be interesting to see the analysis now that that has been flipped on its head where the Lakers beat the teams that are at the top of the league and then now are losing the, the winnable games. How people are going to react to that if, if they're going to turn around and and still continue to criticize regardless. But I, I just think, that in, in my opinion, wins, losses, whatever, there's an outside chance, I guess, at the Lakers catching Milwaukee. But what matters a lot more to me is... Can we get some kind of a rotation down? Can can Frank Frank Vogel figure out a closing lineup? Can he figure out the combinations that he can really ride come the postseason? And 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 heck, you signed Dion Waiters. I know they're trying to get him back into uh, basketball shape. Miami could tell you firsthand that that might not not ever happen. But at the very least, like get the guy out there, see who he plays well with over these last twenty games or so, and when losses, like they're, they're nice and all, but the Lakers basically have the top seed in the conference wrapped up. So let's, let's actually start to use a baseball analogy, start lining that rotation up for the postseason.
0: Yeah. Today they played without Dwight Howard and they still had 10 guys play. And then you brought up Dion waiters who is probably going to get a run here eventually. Um, How much do you think that Vogel will do that? Where he'll try and start finding those rotations and those, because, most teams don't play 10 12 guys in the playoffs actually no one really does so obviously someone's going to start getting their minutes cut probably alex caruso but (laughs) um how much are we going to see vogels start doing that and how much are we going to start seeing like load management when you do have a big lead for the first place in in the western conference how often are we going to see lebron take a day off ad take a day off and just maybe them playing less because if you remember last friday uh the, in the fourth quarter the announcers on ESPN made a really big deal about how Giannis never plays in the fourth quarter and how gassed he was and how in shape and prime the Lakers looked in the fourth quarter and that was a big difference so how much are we going to start seeing Vogel kind of pull back a little bit get especially LeBron get those legs ready for the playoffs and how much do you think you're going to see more of a like what you just asked
1: well I think it's 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 a balance of two things it's How Vogel, you know, whatever decisions Vogel is allowed to make here, and then, you know, how badly does LeBron want to make one kind of final push for this MVP award? How badly does AD want to try to get this Defensive Player of the Year award? Um, Those things, like, as we've seen all year, you you mentioned Alex Caruso potentially losing minutes as, as he finds his way potentially out of a playoff rotation. That has everything to do with, you know, the superstars, preferring Rajon Rondo to the better player Alex Caruso so you know if if it comes down to Vogel going to LeBron and saying hey I think it'd be a good idea for us to get some rest here down the stretch and really try to get ourselves ready for the postseason and LeBron says whoa you know I just beat Kawhi and I just beat Giannis uh, in back to back games and we're starting to see some of the narrative uh, out there as far as my chances at winning MVP I, I really want to make a push for this I don't think Vogel is going to be able to you know talk him down from that same goes for, for AD who you know the Lakers have been reluctant. You know they were reluctant to cut Boogie, even though he wasn't going to do anything for them this year, uh, because they they don't want to tick off AD as as he gets ready to make his big big decision this this coming summer. So if AD says no, I I, I really think I can win this Defensive Player of the Year thing, then. He's not going to sit either. So I think the smart thing to do would be to get those guys as much rest as possible. I just don't know how willing they're going to be to, or how open they are going to be to that that concept.
0: Yeah, you talked about narratives and storylines changing after these last couple games. And that's something that you saw over the weekend. If you watch any national media or even paid attention on Twitter, the whole conversation is now switched. Well, LeBron can take the MVP from Giannis. And now that's a full conversation. So if that's now in his mindset, which we all probably can assume that it is, then yeah, that's going to change a lot of things. Um, obviously, a side story that's going to be a main story in all of sports is going to be, you know, the the crowdless games as well. Like, do you think mm-hmm. that's going to have? Because it's going to happen. Like, I it's happening all over the country. I would assume that the NBA scheduled a conference call with the owners for Thursday. Um to talk about what precautions the league is going to take, I would assume that at some point the NBA is gonna stop playing is gonna play games without crowds in the arenas. You think that'll make a big impact, especially because the Lakers have their longest road their longest road streak or whatever on uh, coming up yeah it's it's gonna be interesting. We
1: just saw uh in the uh, Warriors game tonight or last night by the time everybody's listening to this uh. That it was basically an empty gym anyway, and it turns out that uh, the the San Francisco authorities were asking. Uh, the the Warriors to to either not play or or not have people attend, so you know we're going to start once you start see and then I think up in uh, the the Seattle governor or or mayor uh, Jay Inslee was saying that he's going to uh, not allow groups of more than two hundred and fifty people get together at a, at a at a single event as well. So once you start to see. Literal political and public pressure start to head in that direction. I agree with you. We're, we're probably heading there anyway. Uh, I don't. I don't know. I don't know if they just cancel or, or at least postpone these games altogether because. Like even, even if they even if they say that we aren't going to allow fans in, in the arena, we've already heard LeBron say that he doesn't want to play unless it's in front of people. And then the other thing too is the NBA players are still going to travel state to state to state to state, mm-hmm. state. and you know, they're, they're going through airports and they're going to and yes, their their trip through an airport isn't exactly like yours and mine, but it's still, you know, a trip through the airport. It is still city by city travel. I don't know if we don't see outright postponement, especially because it's not like I don't think this thing is getting any better. Uh, it, it, it seems to be, you know, every day or every Hell, every few hours you're hearing, well, we got our first, uh, our, we got our first coronavirus uh, person in Texas. We got our first one in Michigan, I think, was the one that popped up during the game. Uh, we got our first one in, in this state and this state. And until they actually figure out what's going on here, I, I actually think the smarter play is to just postpone these things, get it all under control, and, and, and move on from there.
0: And we did see, if you follow just like sports in general, you saw that Italy canceled or postponed every single soccer match in uh, in their main top flight soccer division until mm-hmm. April third. So it's not like big major sports aren't doing it because that's massive in Italy. Obviously, yeah. the whole country is on lockdown, so it's a little different than here right now. But mm-hmm. you know, it's just a story to keep an eye on because how does that affect players? How does that besides all the the actual storylines that we get from a game like today? Where I'm sure the national media is going to run with them and be like, LeBron missed a layup. He's not a clutch. Anthony Davis missed an open three. Like those are just things that you're going to read no matter what. But mm-hmm. when you add on top of that, this distraction of coronavirus, how it affects you, does it affect your family? And you got even in two weeks, the the Ohio governor today said, you know, he he is urging everybody if you play in an indoor sport to not allow fans in there. The Lakers play there in two weeks, so mm-hmm. um, there's a lot of stuff that's going to happen not only on the court but off the court right now that's just like total like life-changing stuff for a lot of people. Yeah, I mean it's
1: you know I don't I don't want to get carried away on a subject that I'm not fully informed on, but to me I just don't think sports are so important that you're willing to risk, you know, furthering the outbreak. You know, I, and and I think that's kind of where these, uh, you know, the, the politicians, the, you mentioned Ohio and then obviously Seattle, where they have just been absolutely, it's been a brutal situation up there. Uh, you know w- what happens when the Lakers play? I don't think they play again, Portland. I don't think they do. But, but you know, if, if you no, know what don't. happens, if if you know Team X has to go up and play in Portland, where it's one of the centralized spots for this uh, this pandemic, and, you know, do is the NBA willing to just run this by a state by state basis? Because and, and you can't really do that because you have so much state. Uh, v State interaction with all these teams, so it's going to be interesting to see how this call goes. Uh, but, but personally speaking, I just I would just rather play it safe and give these guys a break. And 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 look, if you if you're looking for, I don't want to say silver linings here because this is like you said affecting a lot of people, but. But, you know, for the NBA, the opportunity to have everybody uh, even a little bit more rested, a little bit more healthy going into the postseason, like you have an excuse to get there. Uh, It's the smart thing to do. Just just handle it that way is is how I would go about it.
0: Yeah. And I mean, it could be as drastic as like canceling games. It could be as drastic as postponing games. Who knows what's going to happen? But that's just something that we're going to have to see. But as far as tonight go, uh, tonight's go, because we are, I guess, supposed to recap the game, yeah. even though it's it's kind of like uh, one of those games where it's, it's, it's hard to take a lot away from it because we already talked about, like, even Frank Vogel said you could kind of expect. I just saw Harrison tweeted a quote from Frank Vogel saying that we could kind of expect a letdown. Obviously, it was an emotional weekend with two heavyweights coming in here. Brooklyn is not on their level, but they are a playoff team, and we've struggled with them a little bit so like even the head coach of the lakers is acknowledging what i think twitter was basically acknowledging that it could have been a letdown a trap game if you want to go that far but it was just like how much of it was obviously the brooklyn out rebounded them offensively second champ points and in points in the paint that's not something that you see the lakers get beat on pretty much do you think a lot of that was just because dwight howard didn't play tonight I don't think it
1: was just because of that. Like, it, where where letdowns really show themselves is in, you know, the effort type plays. It was you mentioned earlier, and it was on point that Brooklyn was treating this like a playoff game, like a championship game. And if they're treating it that way, and the Lakers are having a letdown, then those fifty fifty balls are probably all going to go to Brooklyn. Uh, and you know, Dwight's. Uh, presence or lack thereof is obviously going to have a big effect, but you know I, I think generally speaking, if I was to actually try to analyze a game that you know I'm, I'm about to do locked on Lakers here in a bit, and I'm my recap is going to be basically this game happened, and, and I'm gonna move Yay. on. Yeah. <laughs> but, that's why but, i started talking about other stuff <laughs> yeah, but but for but for I, I will say that karis LeVert's uh production was you know kind of continued a theme that offensively talented wings have tended to give the lakers some problems and uh you know it, he's he's on a tear anyway but you know i i think you know that's something to continue to look at and say hmm you know it'd be nice to to shore that stuff up a little bit kuzma still can't throw a pee in the ocean that's a little worrisome Dude, eight still of, eight of his last 52 from 3 yeah brutal yeah brutal. And, and and you know it's 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 something that you can actually kind of see it as he's getting ready to shoot it he hasn't his his form just changes shot by shot basically and that was like the I biggest think,
0: story with him in the offseason right is how he's changing yeah. his uh his form and it's now it's what is it
1: it, it looks like it looks
0: like a golfer who, you know, they they
1: they shank one, and they Got overcorrect the, the other way, right? They, they they overcorrect the other way, then they overcorrect for the overcorrection, and then it's just it just it just kind of becomes it snowballs on that golfer, and it's really difficult to watch. And I think with Kuzma, you know, the the last thing he wants is to be open, uh, for three, and you know, I think he'd prefer, and he's doing you know to his credit. Uh, because teams are still closing out a little too hard on him, he's still getting to the basket, he's still making his impact known, but But if the Lakers are going to reach their, excuse me, their absolute ceiling, it's going to be by way of guys like Kuzma, guys like Danny Green, hitting the shots that are going to be open for them. And, and, you know, Green, it's a good thing Kuzma's been uh, this bad because Green feels like he's been been struggling as well. Both those guys, at least one of those guys, need to get going.
0: When are we going to start asking more of Danny Green? Because I was literally about to say that there's – there's been so much talk about uh, Kuzma's struggles this off this year, his ups and downs. Obviously, a ton of Rondo Caruso s- stories that we've talked about, especially on SilverScreenRoll.com. But when are we going to start kind of pointing the finger at Danny Green? Like, hey, you need to play better too, man. Uh, well, I kind of
1: want to see what he says about it in his next podcast. I, I'm I'm interested there. I'm, I'm but but I, I look. My thing with Danny Green is he's we know that he's done this before. We know that he's produced in in a playoff setting. Now, if we get to the playoffs and he is still struggling, then yeah, then I would say it's time to really sound the alarms cuz he's somebody that the Lakers are really going to be relying on in those situations. But you know, for him, we can kind of offer him the benefit of the doubt because we've seen him do this before. We haven't seen Kuzma do that before. We haven't seen Avery Bradley shoot the way he's been shooting the last month in a playoff situation. We, we need to see, you know, if it gets ridiculous, <laughs> if, if Green goes on an 8 for 52 stretch the way that Kuzma is, then yeah, I'd be I'd be a little nervous there, But but for at least in Green's spot, we've We've seen him produce, so and he continues to be a good defender. The, you know that 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 aspect of the game, and I I, I kind of wonder if the Lakers aren't asking too much of him defensively, and that's having an effect on his uh, on his shooting because of his legs. And then the other thing too is he's the only guy that teams have consistently game planned around not letting him shoot, so he gets run off the line all the time. And, you know, you need to get a rhythm there at some point. And with people running out so much harder at him, I think now compared to the rest of his career when he might have had another shooter or two around him, I think that might be having an effect too. But, but yeah, I'm, I'm a little bit more worried about Kuzma than I am Green. But if it does get to that kind of ridiculousness, I, I don't blame people for being frustrated with him.
0: You've also brought up the Lakers' inability to kind of defend the wing and how that matches up with a certain other team in Los Angeles might be an issue in the playoffs. What have you thought about uh, the way Marquise Morris has come in and played? Because he's been getting a you know, a good amount of minutes per game since he got here.
1: Well, I think it makes sense that he's getting this amount of minutes because they need to figure out what they have with him. Uh, but but I, I don't think – like, I think if the Lakers are really planning on relying on Marquise Morris a ton in the playoffs – That is, you know, symptomatic of the underlying issue in and of itself, right? That's if you're really relying on Markeef Morris, then you maybe should have been a little bit more aggressive in trying to acquire a better wing at the trade deadline. Uh, but I I think I still think he's still have you ever seen a dancer who's learning a dance for the first time? Um, Myself not included. No, I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs>
0: well,
1: you can say this from experience. Then, like you can, you can actually. You're counting out the steps, and you're a one, right. two, three, one, two. And I, f- I still feel like when I watch Markeith out there, especially on offense, uh, because the Lakers play so much by feel, he's still kind of one, two, threeing himself through the the offense. And you know, if you're looking down at your feet right before you're getting ready to shoot, and you aren't really. Uh, confident in where you're shooting from or where you should be, where you shouldn't be, I think that's going to have an effect. So I, I'm willing to give him a little bit more time in that respect. But, you know, the Lakers do have this trend of being the place that where, where shooters go to die. Uh, so he might just be the latest victim of that curse.
0: When you and uh, uh, Harrison did your, your podcast all the time, did you guys, like, carve out, like, like some time for you to vent about Rondo every week? <laughs> Because I I feel like me and Alex just kind of do it naturally. We always mm-hmm. seem to talk about Kuzma because he's been the biggest you know up and down guy on the team. And then Rondo and Caruso, we it's just like I we talk about him every week. And then you watch him play today, and you're just like, how is he getting these minutes? He didn't play it that much more than Caruso today, mm-hmm. but it's just it's just baffling to me. Still, I don't get it.
1: I mean, we just watched the Lakers play against a team in Brooklyn that starts DeAndre Jordan over Jared Allen because of locker room politics. That got a, a it sounds like he got a coach fired because he might not have been willing to do that. So, you know, I, I guess the the grass isn't always greener in that respect, but, but yeah, my my thing with with Rondo and I hope this doesn't cost the Lakers a series or a playoff game or something like that. But like Everybody sees it. Frank Vogel is way mm-hmm. too smart not to see it. And, you know, if, if he's just if, – if, you know, guys like LeBron and guys like Anthony Davis are just that adamant about playing him, then that's kind of the bed you make, and you have to sleep in it come so the funny, like,
0: And then, like, yeah, I, I, but it's like, don't they see it? I know they always you, talk – like, very – they always praise Caruso. Mm-hmm. But you never hear – it's like, they have to see it too, right? Even if that is the case, like, don't you see it? That he's not really a positive for you guys, and Caruso is. Yeah, I, I,
1: I think you're, they're kind of blinded by their friendship to him, yeah. And you know, it, it becomes kind of a, a confirmation bias, right? If you're if you're looking for the plays that Caruso makes that help you win games, you're going to see him. If you're looking for the plays that Rondo might make to help you in a game. You're going to see those too. Like that pass he made to Kyle Kuzma, like that just kind of solidified, yep, Rondo had a good game. If you're if you're looking for a reason to to say that Rondo had a good game, that's what you that's the kind of thing that you're going to see. And you know, this is a very human element to this, but you know, at the end of the day, you also kind of have to respect the basketball gods and be able to be willing and able to call out your buddy every so often, or at least acknowledge that your buddy doesn't have it anymore. So whether or not they do, I think that's gonna... Like we talked, we've talked. we talked about Kyle Kuzma, we've talked about Danny Green, we've talked about Markeith Morris, uh, but in my opinion, if we start seeing DNP CDs from Alex Caruso... And Rondo winds up getting all of those minutes because those minutes are going to shrink anyway because LeBron is going to be playing more of them. And you don't need a secondary creator as much in those situations. So if we start seeing those minutes shrink and Rondo gets the lion's share of those minutes while Caruso starts sitting more, and the Lakers come up short come postseason time, that'll be one of the first questions that everybody should ask about what where things might have gone wrong. Now it might not matter because LeBron is that great, because AD is that great. Uh, we just saw that you know against the Clippers and against the Bucs, where they were just so good that it didn't matter that Rondo got 22 minutes or whatever it was. But if 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 it turns out that they aren't that great and the Lakers come up short. Vogel's gonna have some real awkward questions to answer, and so will LeBron, and so will AD.
0: I just have these memories of guys not named Kobe Bryant or Shaquille O'Neal making plays for the Lakers, like mm-hmm. Robert Ory making the shot, Derek Fisher making the shot against the Spurs, Meta making a shot. I just like it. Always seems to me that mm-hmm. yes, your guys are gonna show up, AD's gonna show up, LeBron's gonna show up. They're gonna combine for sixty every night. But it's about everybody else. Sometimes is the reason why you win a close game. Mm-hmm. And I have more faith right now at this moment that Caruso will show up and give the extra effort and make the right play than I do of Rondo. I'm not saying they're even going to be in a situation specifically for those two guys. It's just I just have this thought like, like they, the guy, maybe LeBron and AD can't take you all the way without really needing a third consistent guy. But so far this year, they don't have that third consistent guy. So it's going to be a collective effort from everybody else that's going to make the difference in the long run. Avery Bradley scored 24 points against the Clippers and that's why they beat the Clippers on Sunday. So, it's mm-hmm. i so to say that like that LeBron has is that great? I totally agree with you. I just I just always feel like, you know, like Ray Allen made the three against the Spurs when he was a Heat. It's always the other guys that kind of seem to have that moment or be right there. So, I think it's kind of really important to to play the best guy and obviously that may not happen most likely it's not but I, I it's it's really bothering me even thinking about that 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 thought of rondo getting those minutes
1: yeah it would it would make me really nervous you know and, and people like to say well it might just be playoff rondo playoff rondo this playoff rondo that playoff rondo. you really want to chance that <laughs>
0: like, yeah you, not me <laughs> no i mean we made the lakers <laughs> are in the playoffs for the first time in seven years now we're going to go risk a title chance on rondo no thanks right exactly yeah well, Anthony, I won't keep you too much longer. I know you have a, a lot, another one to do. So tonight, <laughs> though, the Lakers lose one hundred four, one hundred two to the Nets. Something that me and uh, and Regla always finish off the uh, the podcast with is the Lakers play three games before we and him come back on again. I don't really never know who I podcast with next Tuesday, but that's not the point. Um, <laughs> we always look at the schedule and we're like, let's take a guess. What's their record going to be? For the next three games, there at home versus the Rockets, at home versus the Nuggets, and then at Utah uh, before next Tuesday. So just give me your thoughts. How many of these games are going to win? I'll probably say two. Uh, I don't really. It's it's really hard to
1: predict at this point because of everything we've talked about the load management and mm-hmm. who they're going to get up for and who they're not going to get up for, how teams are playing against them right now. Like I was considerably more nervous about playing the Rockets again, say uh, a week or so ago, a week or two ago, and now they've they just finished losing. I think they got blown out by Orlando, and they're kind of coming down, back down to earth as their micro ball experiment is you know as we're finding out that it it takes a lot of effort to win that way and and an 82 game season isn't exactly the best you know the 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 best way to carry out that uh, experiment so uh, and we were and, the and experiment
0: th- with that first one we were the first game the very with the first experiment. One.
1: Mm-hmm. yeah
0: yeah so they won tonight I, but before that they did lose four in a row but so they beat I, the wolves tonight
1: <laughs> tough tough win there for, for real tough um, but but I, I do think you know in, in Utah it's kind of up and down themselves. So I I'll, I'll say they go two
0: and one here,
1: but it wouldn't shock me if they go three and zero.
0: Oh. How about you? I I always go negative, and then they do good because one time I said they're going to go three and zero, oh and they went. I think that's when they had their losing streak. <laughs> so I just for the sake of jinxes and karma and whatever you want to call it, I'm going one and two, and I'm sure they'll go three and zero oh now.
1: Yeah,
0: I've carved out an entire
1: career by uh, setting people's expectations lower and then clearing those expectations. So it's, I'm all it's, with it's, you for,
0: <laughs> for that yeah, strategy. Yeah, I love it. I love it. I, I, I think that's like my life motto, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, Anthony, this was awesome, man. I can't wait to do it again with you. Uh, hopefully next time the Lakers win, then, uh, then lose to the Nets. But uh, thank you for your time, and uh, we'll talk to you next, next time.
1: Anytime, man. Thanks for having me.